The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Hello, hello. Welcome back in to the Batting Order Beat, your one-stop shop for baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. With the way StreamYard goes, I've kind of just stopped warning Brandon of when we're going to start recording because it just happens on its own pace. But Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Uh, last week of classes here at Syracuse, get in there. We are certain. Last, last week of classes, I had my last class today. Wow. Give you love that. Absolutely love that. Well, LJ, we certainly have quite a bit to get to on today's show, but uh, where are we starting? Where are we starting? Let's take a trip down um, Injured List Road, or should I say, should we take an O-hop to the IL with Logan O'Hoppy? It's injury time. The prospect here for the Los Angeles Angels is set to be out for four to six months with a torn labrum. Certainly, I don't think it's an understatement to say Logan O'Hoppy's been fantastic to start here 0.6 war through 16 games here in his second stint up in the majors an 886 OPS with four home runs to start the year I mean you know a quarter of your games you're going yard in this looks like a very talented baseball player that we're now going to see miss the majority of this season for them kind of delay things what does this do for him and the team well, for him, it's it's a big blow, but he's also very young. He's only 23 years old uh, and will certainly have a good amount of time to rehab this. But in terms of the Angels, LJ, uh, this is it's not good for them. This is finally another guy, another hitter that they're getting uh, uh, contributions from. And with him with him going down, uh, it, it, of course, it only hurts their their offense. And in terms of the catcher spot, they now have Matt Tice. I think that's how you say his name. He's their first-round pick from 2016. Uh, but he's got uh, a 620 OPS this year. Uh, and Brandon, then only 25 plate appearances. This hasn't been a full showing from him. I know, I know, but still. And then you have Chad Wallach as the backup. Is just showing that there's not there there isn't a lot of depth there to begin with. And of course, the catcher spot is a premium spot uh, in on a team. So yeah, I would say that this 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 does hurt uh, the Angels for sure. Uh, but. How do we even feel about them right now? They are 500. They're, I mean, they're playing okay, but do we really, or it's not like we're really expecting this team to make the playoffs, are we? I mean, no, it's just, it's frustrating because you've got so much going wrong here, pretty much everywhere you turn. I mean, Rendon's still a hot mess. Taylor Ward has had a, you know, I would we call it terrible? by his standards, terrible start to this second, what we hoped was the second year of him being a really dominant force here in the majors. And then you look around and you say, Oh, at least they've got some more young upstarts outside of ward, like Ohapi, like Jared Walsh, these guys who are, you know, usually pretty good for the middle of this rotation or middle of this lineup. And you'd expect to be positive contributors throughout the rest of this year. 
and now you've lost two of them, um, one for four to six months, the other who knows how long until we see Jared Walsh again. So this is a tough time. Injuries like this to key facilitators in the lineup are what, you know, that'll slow and stall this team right out of a playoff race very, very quickly. But we'll, of course, get into a little bit more about the Angels' record and current expectations later. It's just, it's a tough situation for young guys. You hate to see it. You hate to see a team lose all momentum like this, right? Yeah, and also a team that needs that kind of momentum, right? They they need some kind of spark, some kind of something just to get those guys motivated because it has been so long since they've made it to the postseason. Absolutely. Well, a little bit of a short segment there, but we're going to wrap that on up and into the big news of, um, was this, did this come out last night or this morning? I forget as Brian Reynolds, last night, last night, his big contract extension here, the first nine figure deal in pirates history, a little just over, $100 million for Brian Reynolds over, I believe it was six years. I'm making this up as I go. But either way, you know, big-time money, big-time extension for Pittsburgh and for Brian Reynolds. Brandon, opening takes, and is Brian Reynolds and this contract good for baseball? Well, we've certainly done a lot on Brian Reynolds uh, in the past. Um, and go and check out those uh, YouTube clips of it uh for sure but what i have to say regarding brian reynolds in this contract is i am happy that he is staying loyal i am happy that the pirates were able to satisfy his and his agent needs uh regarding this deal and it's really good to see a team like pittsburgh uh actually giving out a contract to one of their homegrown really good players lj because this has been our big problem with uh the a's we've talked about a lot and of course the nationals trading away a lot of their uh or really their entire team uh so yeah lj i am actually proud of the pirates here for once and proud of brian reynolds for getting his bag because he's he's a great player yeah, great for him to get his bag. I'm going to go on the opposite here in terms of this contract being good for baseball. On its surface level, this is 100% You know what we've been wanting, what we've been asking for is for these small market teams to actually realize spending money makes money and being loyal to your stars is going to pay off in the end. So just give them the money that they need and the money that it takes to keep them. We've been asking that from these teams all along. But I look at this on the surface on the surface level, great. Deeper than that, this looks like it could be a hot mess down the line. This is the first nine-figure deal in Pittsburgh Pirates history. That's a huge good. set of good. Yeah, it's that's good. That is good. But it's a huge set of expectations. And almost set expectations that are doomed to fail and doomed to fail fail the team almost intentionally fail the team is really what i'm trying to get at here Mm. because i have a feeling an inkling that we're going to look at this pirates team two three years down the line now they may have a very impressive season going here and honestly i think that's a fair 
place to take this whole conversation in this topic is what do we expect out of Pittsburgh this year? I mean, clearly in, in my eyes, there are seven deep in terms of position players who are playing really well right now. I'm not sure how many of those guys are going to keep things up. Do we expect Andrew McCutcheon to keep up this type of play here? I mean, five home runs, 270, 371, 527. Do we expect a full year out of Rodolfo Castro? Like, there's some guys in here that, like, kind of are eyebrow raisers. And the eight, nine spots in this whole bench isn't doing anything to move the needle either. Rotation, great. Bullpen, they always find a way to be solid. So they have clearly some good chances to compete or at least be in the wild card race coming down the stretch of the season with the roster that they've built right now. And this will make a great play too for them as they try to, you know, keep the team motivated. Like, Hey, look, we got this guy back. We're all in on competing. Let's go. That's kind of the mentality that they're looking at in the short term. But what, again, as I was saying before, really, I struggle with is this long-term where two, three years down the line, this group isn't meant to last. And when they don't last, you're going to expect them to keep trying to compete if they compete once. And they're going to, I guarantee you, we will hear the words, this Brian Reynolds contract is too much of a hindrance on our payroll for us to be able to make the moves that it takes to be competitive or something along those lines. They'll use this as an excuse. I'm telling you right now, to justify making less moves in the future. It's a just, it's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're making the, keeping the fan base happy. They're going to placate all the people who say, oh, they don't spend any money. Look, we just spent nine figures and now they're going to let it, let it ride for at least the whole seven years, if not eight or nine. So this is kind of similar to like the what the what the Rockies tried to do with a Nolan Arenado, right? Would you say because in that case it was the Rockies saying, "Okay, we're going to give you a huge deal, but then we're also going to give you an opt out, so that way you'll look like the bad guy if you if you do end up opting out." Like, right? Isn't that exactly what they did? Yeah, I I, I mean, well, yes and no because I think this is clearly more of a Brian Reynolds wanting the opt out because he knows he'll probably be worth more as he expands in, in his game. Cause the opt outs where Brandon. Um, five? Good question. I don't know. I think that, uh, I, I don't, is there an opt out in this? Deal? I assume it, there was an opt out. Does not have an opt out provision, but does have limited six team, no trade clause. Oh, interesting. Either way, you know, no opt out. Well, either way, he's still going to be in good position for another contract here. But if he'd wanted an opt out, I understand that because three, four years down the line, he's going to be a lot more valuable than he is right now. I think there's more to come from Brian Reynolds. And once he has, you know, once you have three solid seasons, which he definitely has here, I mean, you know, you're talking about all star caliber player 2021, 2022, really good. And this 2023 season looks to be an improvement on last year. I, I would stand to reason to believe he's going to be worth more towards the end of this contract. It's just a matter of will the roster be worth more. Mm-hmm. But no, speaking, it's a good question. Speaking of rosters that are worth quite a bit, 
let's jump on over to the West Coast here as, you know, we've seen some varied results from some teams that we were really expecting to see up towards the top. You know, we've got the Los Angeles Angels, as we mentioned before, at 12 and 12. We've got the Dodgers sitting here at 13 and 11. We've got the Padres at 12 and 13. We've got the Giants at 10 and 13. These are all teams that we kind of expected to do at least decent here. Is the West Coast really that bad, Brandon? You know, you also have the Mariners. I'm not sure if you if you mentioned them or not. Um, you know, at 11. I was more focusing on the Cali teams, and we also – I forgot to mention Oakland in there, which we've talked plenty on the last several days, currently sitting at 5-19. and 19. But Is right. it all that bad? Um, I mean, it's not – great right now it's not it's not very good uh the dodgers i will say they've had a really tough schedule to start they've had to play 19 games against teams above 500 as of right now um the padres have had to play 21 games against teams above 500 uh and you know, it's LJ. I I don't really know how to feel because, given the expectations of these teams, like I said earlier, we weren't like was anyone really actually expecting the Angels to be good? Were you LJ? I mean, I I don't bet on the Angels anymore, but I thought they'd be decent. Actually, I thought they'd be about where they are. I think okay. it's so. It's, it's less a question on the Angels and the A's as it is the other teams that should have been bringing up the West Coast win percentage. Okay. As for the Dodgers, um, they're, I mean, they're like opening day roster wasn't all that great uh, name, you know, on paper. J.D. Martinez didn't move the needle that much for me, especially when you lost Trey Turner. Uh and uh, other names from what what was a super team at one point, but is now just a good team. Uh, so I expect them to be good, but nothing crazy out of them. I guess the real disappointment is San Diego, and you could use the excuse, well, okay, they just got Tatis back, and uh, they've had a really tough schedule so far, and they've played well on the road. So is the West Coast really that bad? I'm going to say – no, I don't think so. Just based on what the expectations of these teams have been, San Diego is the one that is definitely underperforming the most, though, out of these teams. Because Oakland's right where we thought they would be also. Sure. I'm going to vehemently disagree on this. This is, this is, this is that vehemently. bad. This is that bad. I think you're criminally trying to spin some of these teams here. I mean, for starters – this pitching staff in San Francisco is being wasted. Wasted this rotation, putting together great stuff to start the year as they always do and not getting a heck of a lot to show for it is incredibly frustrating because this lineup, they just keep, you know, they've let too many guys go by the wayside here. It, it's getting tough to watch in my eyes to see this team slowly start to fall apart. But at least look, at least Joey Bart's hitting pretty well here. <laughs> um, right after we talked about, what, two weeks ago. Is Joey Bart back? 
LJ, well, is Joey Bart back, and are the Giants just like a reincarnation of what some of these old uh, Yankee teams are, where fourth in home runs, but 17th in runs scored? It's it, it's kind of it's a joke, and it's tough what baseball to watch. This Dodgers team, I think you're just trying to downplay, like a lot of people downplayed, but at the end of the day, it's the Dodgers. They hold themselves in a certain regard, and I feel like they've kind of fell flat of that. I was late onto the Trey Turner hype train, but I think I was rather early on the, wow, Trey Turner is that good and might be missed by this team train. That's not to say that they didn't make the right move here because you kind of have to take a few steps back in order to take steps forward sometimes. But this still looks like a roster in my eyes that's capable of winning the World Series. When you are stacking up guys like Betts, Freeman, Martinez up towards the top of this lineup, when you should have a guy like a Will Smith in there, when you were expecting a guy like Gavin Lux in there, you know, and not depend, that's without mentioning anything with this pitching staff, which the bullpen's a mess, mind you. That is hard to watch, and it's incredibly disappointing. It's disappointing that they're fighting with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who we'll get into next over this all. And the Padres, the Padres are the ones that really scare me right now. And this may all end up being overreaction, and for the good of the league, I hope it is. But you're kind of at the end of your rope with this. Like, it's great. I'm loving that they're competing and everything, but you can only do this for so long where you have a window, a championship window, where your roster is flexible and free. It's no longer flexible and free. They really don't have a farm system that they can turn to. They don't have a lot of notable prospects that they can dish out to fill holes. And as we talked about it, there's a couple guys they think our Friars on the Farm friends think can come up or move around and really help this team fill in some gaps. But it's just feeling like a lot of gaps. I'm going to leave the lineup alone because it's too early to necessarily say that they're bad. Give everybody a little time. Obviously, Tatis is just getting back into the swing here. Soto still looks terrible since he came over from, from Washington. And all of that, but that's a question for another day. My bigger issue is the fact that there's a lot of questions in this bullpen, and the bigger issue is you are getting two black holes in the middle of your rotation here from Blake Snell and Michael Waka. Can this team afford this Blake Snell until he eventually gets hot at the end of the year? That's kind of what you bank on as far as I'm concerned with Blake Snell is you're hoping that he just shows up magically when it hits June, July and starts pitching, building up and has this insane August, September that he always manages to have. The way he's pitching right now has been so mediocre at best that I'm not sure you can just tread water with that. You can't tread water with that and the way Michael Locke has been performing in his first couple starts. I don't see a way that they can actually fix these holes in the rotation that's what concerns me. That's why I think that generally West Coast baseball really is as bad as it's looking right now. There, people are right to be concerned. Juan Soto has not been terrible with the Padres. It's been uh, tough, Brandon. You, you 130 OPS plus last year with the Padres. If you if you got a 130 OPS plus out of any player, you'd be extremely happy with that. So, I mean, sure, but again. It, 130 OPS plus doesn't necessarily mean he's impacting the game. Sure. Yeah. 
that, that that's the way it's felt since he's gotten there. And that's partially, you know, a lack of contact hitting that contact hitting has fallen off. Yes. That was something that was happening in Washington too, but it's something that's really going on since he gone to, went to San Diego. It, it's a necessity, especially now as we move into this modern, this new modern game without the shift and with more base running contact will be more of a need. If he can't bring that, he's not going to be as effective as you need him to be. Yeah, very true. Brandon, are you ready to go into our last segment, sir? Uh, I am, and it's about another West Coast team. Another West Coast team, not on the coast, though, so it's a little different why we didn't include them in our um, summary of things. We also didn't include the Rockies, which is a whole other can of worms. But the, There's not there's, much to say there. <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks are currently sitting at a 13-12 and 12 record and just sent down multiple key prospects. They DFA'd Madison Bumgarner, which we did not get to talk about last week. They just sent down um, Jake McCarthy and Dre Jameson. Both get optioned to the minors. All of this is pointing to the fact that they look at this West as enough of a joke and enough of an opportunity that if they pull themselves together, they can compete for a while, a playoff spot, and they can, you know, fool around in the playoffs. Should they be at that point this right now, Brandon? I mean, sure. If they, it's, it's, I will never fault an organization for thinking that they're ready, even if they're not, because that means that maybe they do go make a big trade at the trade deadline, right? Sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe they are buyers. Uh, they got Gabriel Moreno up there, who was a big uh, piece in uh, that trade that sent uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to uh, the Diamondbacks, and he came with uh, the uh, with the Blue Jays. Sorry, can't speak right now. But um, other than that, uh, Corbin Carroll, LJ, for you were you were kind of hard on him preseason. He was the odds-on favorite to win the NL Rookie of the Year, and you said that uh, he doesn't really impress you. He doesn't do that much for you, LJ. Four homers, 10 stolen bases, 303, 354, 551 slash line for him. Cattell Marte is kind of doing things. Uh, Christian Walker, who uh, is just kind of a really good power hitter now. Uh, he's He's been on fire the last week or so. Uh, and the pitching, Zach Gallen. This guy shoves. He, he just absolutely shoves. Merrill Kelly's been good, walks a lot of guys, but I liked what I saw out of him somewhat in the World Baseball Classic. Bullpen is a mess. Well, it's all right. It's, you shouldn't be trusting Andrew Chafin as your closer. No. Okay, look. He's been good this year. Other than that, I'm probably right to say it's a mess. And other than Zach Gallen and uh, Kelly, the there's not much starting rotation as of now, but – I mean, if they think that they can try to make a run here or do whatever, good for them because you're right. 
the West could turn out to be kind of a joke. It is very early, though. Yeah, and we don't know who's coming back to because Mark Melanson's also on the IL for the foreseeable future. You would have Zach Davies back at some point in that rotation as well. I'm going to give it a little bit of a nuanced answer. I know that's not what we're looking for here in sports talk, but I like the fact that they're trying to compete. I just don't like the way that they're going about it. If they wanted to go make big moves and make these additions to the team to better themselves, if they want to go add starting pitching because that's what they feel like they need, even though I think really time is going to even some of this out, maybe they have to make one move, but that's about it. Mm. What I don't do is I don't stop giving guys opportunities with this group because it for, clearly doesn't feel like a ripe team. Josh Rojas, Cattell Marte, Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker, Pavin Smith. These are all guys that have come up over the last couple of years. And even if they weren't playing at their best, got playing time. And what has that done now? That's put those guys into being the true core of this team. You know, I would say those are the five guys that probably matter most to this team right now. And a lot of that comes from the fact that they got to train and grow against major league pitching. And so if, unless you think you are truly a division contender in Arizona, which I'm not sure I'm ready to even put them in that conversation, even as a long shot right now, because it's too early and we've seen too little out of this team. I'm not giving up on the opportunity to play these young guys like Jake McCarthy and Dre Jameson, especially a pitcher when the rest of what you're getting isn't that exciting either. So that's kind of where I get put off by this strategy right now. They're going all in on, all right, we're a contending team. Let's act like it and kind of screwing over their future a little bit when they could easily do both at this stage of the year. Yeah, uh, that's, that's certainly a good way to look at it as well. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up here on the show today. We will, of course, have our live tomorrow night, April 27th on YouTube and Twitter. We will have Shane Barclay from Japan Ball, a Japanese baseball website, on to talk about what they do there. They do all sorts of tours and things. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the Nippon League and what's going on on that side of baseball, get out of the MLB sphere for a little bit. I'm looking forward to it. Brandon, I'm sure you are too. Do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? LJ, you know how much I love these uh, Japanese and uh, Asian players in general. So, uh, so excited for for tomorrow night. And you know what? What's better than talking some Japanese baseball with the NFL draft on in the background, LJ? It's going to be a very cool live stream. A wonderful experience. For sure. Alrighty. Well, that's going to wrap things up here. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to us wherever you are listening from a podcast perspective on just about every social here at the Bob Belly Up. We will see.